You are listening to the After the Timeout podcast, hosted by Todd Zazadil and John Palicki, two high school coaches looking to help others spread their passion for the coaching profession. Tune in for more episodes for anything coaching related in game, outside of the game, and anything in between. On today's episode, brought to you by VREP's Virtual Playbook, we are joined by Ali Lehman, the new Director of Basketball Operations at Northern Illinois University. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Great. Happy to be here. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Love talking basketball. So this is a beautiful way to end my day. Well, we're, we're really excited to have you on as a guest, uh, not just for your coaching and basketball background, but obviously for your military background as well. Um, so obviously, first, thank you for your service. Um, but you were named as a, as a direct commissioner, I be, commission, I believe, as a second lieutenant. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I got that right. <laughs> um, can, yeah, no. Can you take us back? Um, you know, we're, we're right at the 20th anniversary of 9-11. We all know where we were um, on 9-11. So we just kind of wanted to to talk to you a little bit about your memories of 9-11 and, you know, what kind of maybe impact maybe that had on you joining the Army. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was a youngin, so back in 2001, I was just in first grade, uh, but I do remember kind of noticing who the bad guys were and the good guys. I mean, we were gathered around the TV in my living room then once we all got taken out of school. Uh, we were sitting in the living room and we just watched it unfold on replay pretty much that's all that was on tv uh but most people don't know i actually grew up next to camp atterbury which is a big training facility uh we used it a lot actually at fort campbell uh to shoot artillery and whatnot so a lot of the times our house is so close to camp atterbury that it shakes so i remember seeing soldiers left and right uh and it was always awesome to see them at walmart because somehow even at that age I knew that sacrifice, so I'd always go up, thank them for their service, because, I mean, it was an incredible thing to sign up for. Uh, so, I mean, that that led me into the Army uh, passion, or the military passion. I figured out in high school that, you know, if I didn't get a scholarship, if I didn't play basketball, because I came from a small school, uh, I was going to join the military, either the Marines or the Army. And then once I got to NIU, uh, it, it just kind of worked out. I was able to join ROTC my sophomore year. Uh, and then my senior year, I had the option to continue to try and play basketball. Uh, at the time, they had just integrated the infantry. So I was selected as one of the 10 females in the integrating process. So I got to be one of the first infantry officers. So I figured breaking down that barrier was going to be beneficial in the long run as well. So kind of a two-part question here then, uh, and it's kind of a follow-up to what you just said, like you said, you know, Marines or Army, what kind of made that decision for you? Like, you know, um, how did you decide on that? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty interesting because the Marines had me at first because I remember them setting up the pull-up bar in the lunchroom, so I wanted to beat the guys. And so the fact that they had pull-up bars, like, oh, Marines are great. Like, they're the toughest. And then I thought of the Army. I always saw 
soldiers around Camp Atterbury, uh, around my hometown, everything. So I thought they were the biggest, the baddest. I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted just a really great challenge. Uh, so it was, it was really hard to choose between the two, but NIU only offers the Army. So that's how I ended up going the Army route. All right. So then, um, you know, as a, as a military leader and being in the military, what did you take from that that's helped you in, in your coaching and, and even in your maybe even your playing career? Because you were doing ROTC. Yeah, stuff. I mean, well, am I able to tell a little story then? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, can, you can tell whatever you want. Yeah, I uh, probably the most beneficial experience I ever had was going through uh, the infantry basic officers leader course. Uh, so every, every week we went out and we did missions all day and you would run place to place. So I was carrying a 65 pound pack. Uh, I was actually assigned a machine gun. So I was carrying 20 pounds in front and we ran missions all the way through the week. And basically to earn your blue cord, they have kind of like a crucible. Uh, you, you have to walk with all your gear. It's called a ruck, but you have to walk for 16 miles with all of your belongings. And then once you arrive the next morning, early in the morning, you have to execute a mission. Well, the last day, it was a Friday, uh, one of my buddies actually rolled his ankle. And so he was injured, but he wanted it so badly. And he was the greatest teammate that we were like, how can we help take a load off of this guy? He deserves to graduate with us. He wants it bad enough. What can we do to help him? So we ended up distributing all the weight he had. So it was 65 pounds and we distributed that amongst the entire platoon. So all he had to do was walk with a stick. So this guy wanted it so bad and he was so determined that he walked for 16 miles on a, a real fat ankle through injury because that's how bad he wanted a blue cord. So through that, I realized, yeah, you can't let your buddy sink. And once you're all on the same mission path, you know, you can't let each other fail. Whereas I looked ahead, there was a platoon walking in front of us and I watched a guy quit. So 19 weeks down the drain, this guy quit 400 meters from the finish line because he had blisters on his feet and he didn't think that he could push through. You know, he didn't have anyone in his corner to push him through and he just didn't want it bad enough. So, I mean, I, I got to learn the mental toughness. Uh, yeah, not let your body sink. And, yeah, the, de the determination factor. That's phenomenal. That, that was, a, that was the, a great story. That was one of my favorite stories I think we've heard so far. So thank you for sharing that. Um, let's sh kind of shift gears. I, I kind of wanted to go now into kind of your, your master's degree. I know you were, were just a GA. Um, obviously, now you're the director of basketball operations, but I'm just curious first, you know, what did you decide to get your master's degree in and how can coaches better help student athletes kind of balance that academic work versus the athletic time that you definitely had to balance yourself as a GA? Yeah, I mean, uh, still going through it now, you really have to figure out kind of the determination factor, how bad you want it and how bad you're going to set aside time what you're gonna give up from the social aspect, make sure you get it done. You know, I, I think student athletes, especially, goals gonna get there in the gym, but eventually the ball is gonna stop bouncing. 
I think our responsibility, you know, again, like, what do you want to do after basketball? Because not everyone is going to play professionally. Not everyone's going to go play overseas or get into coaching. So how can you be a better person? How can you be more prepared for the future? And yeah, I, I think that comes from the top down. But as far as time management, I mean, it's just like practice. <laughs> if you don't have good study skills, it's not going to benefit you later on. So I think it's a healthy balance between the two. All right, so let's go, let's go to ball now, all right? So you're, you're the all-time assist leader at Northern, all right? Um, let's, let's talk about decision-making and, and, you know, and things like that. Yeah. For, for our high school coaches and, and any coaches listening, what are some of the things you can do to help teach your, your primary ball handlers, the people that have the ball the most, uh, their, their court vision, um, seeing where teammates are open? Yeah, I mean, personally, I, I guarantee you there's multiple multiple people that disagree with me, but I think the most useful thing is to put them in stressful situations because if they're going to turn the ball over, you want them to turn it over in practice, but they have to feel comfortable enough. Like when they're getting trapped, for example, if they can get out of it, you have to go through it over and over again. I think you get a lot more of that playing pickup or at a disadvantage. And it's the same thing, I mean, Individuals are great. One-on-one -on -one work, I think, is great and it's a necessity. But at the same time, I think it has to shift to a two-on-two, three-on-three situation where you keep working reps at saying, okay, if I go baseline, am I going to have an out? Like, where do I think to – I mean, it's, it's just getting used to uh, how your post will react, especially working guards and posts. How can I get them the ball in a better position? Especially being a point guard, your job is to kind of create for everyone else, but they have to be in a situation where they work those reps out. If that makes sense. Yeah. Now, now, can you? Um, I guess is it is there things you can do play wise? Is there things you can do uh, video wise that you you think help? Uh, especially at the high school level, because you know a lot of our coaches that listen are at the high school level, college level. You guys, you guys have film study, you have all that stuff, but um, how, how does that decision-making and, and, and all those things advance at, you know, at the, at the high school level, especially? Yeah, I, th I think you can always modify it. Uh, kind of put them in a situation where, okay, you get half the court, like from the half court, you got till the middle of the, the uh, you got from the nail over, right? So, you have to work with your post player from a pick and roll standpoint. Okay, now if a hedge happens, are you going to hit him in between? Are you going to try and throw over top knowing that they're bigger? It's, it's just working those kind of situations, I think, is probably best. Uh, and, yeah, really manipulate the disadvantage situations. So – as a college athlete, I also found that you were the first student athlete to compete the, complete the ROTC program. So now I'm curious, let's kind of change it to self-care a little bit. What can other coaches do to kind of maintain that work-life balance, but also practice self-care? Because as we know, during the season, there's very limited time for that. Yeah, I mean, I think it, definitely the first year of being on 
staff and not a player was a huge awakening. Um, I'll say I have great support outside of basketball. I have a lovely fiance that doesn't quite understand basketball, but will watch it. So if I got to watch game film, I'm not watching on my own. I'm interacting with somebody else that <laughs> isn't a coach. And so it's a great atmosphere, but at the same time, especially right now, you know, the work day has to end. And so my phone goes to the side. We spend time together. We'll go out and kayak. We do something that isn't basketball related to just kind of decompress for a bit. And so, yeah, I mean, it's anything simple from going on a hike to starve, starve rock, uh, movies, it's pretty easy. All right, so let's let's we're gonna kind of go back to the to playing again. You you're the only player in league history, thousand points, nine hundred rebounds, five hundred assists. Um, now that you've transitioned to the coaching career, you know there's not a lot of players who have all those skills. So how do you develop more well-rounded players, um, or, or is it more of a mindset? Like, is it is it you know something that people just have, or can it be drilled? Oh, that's tough. I think we debate about that a lot in the office. Uh, because ideally, you get a player that, mm, that hates to lose more than they like to win, that competitive. And it's awesome if you can get that in a point guard because, I mean, that's your leader then. It's your floor general. It's your leader. You want somebody that can rally everyone around. I think, yeah, to be overall the most successful, uh, you have to be willing to make other people better. That's bringing them in with you. So, I mean, you don't want the personal spotlight. So if you can get that rebound and push it up floor and get assists, like that's great. If the focal point is you, I mean, are you really doing the team justice? Uh, so my thought around it is, yeah, the, the outside factors, the rebounding, assists, those are more important. They're less glorified, for sure, especially in the media. It's way less glorified. Everybody wants to know who scores. But if you can get guards especially that want to be an overall well-rounded player that their team trusts to make them better, uh, I think you have to bring them into the gym with you. I think you can learn a lot from how your teammates shoot, uh, even if it's just passing the ball to them, everybody has their own pocket. If you don't get it to their pocket and they have to adjust their shot, well, it's either going to be a miss or it's going to go off wrong. So, I mean, there there is an art to passing that I think gets overlooked. I mean, you look at Dennis Rodman, for example. I mean, doing layups and whatnot, he would stand off to the side because he wants to watch his teammates shoot layups and see how the ball is going to rotate off their hands. He, he was able to read it that way because he wanted to be a great teammate. And he knew rebounding, the hustle plays, he was willing to be that person. So he really owned his role. Um, but then again, I mean, I, I, I think everybody has the ability to be mentally tough and competitive. I think it can get drawn out. But I think it gets drawn out, like I said, being in the stressful situations. If you don't go in with the mentality that you're going to win every drill, well, I don't think you're going to get better. I mean, the point is, if I if I see you across from me, I, I go in with the perspective that I'm going to take you, 
and that's it. But they have to be placed in that situation over and over again. So uh, interesting follow-up for you. So you kind of said you, you have to have the player that wants to win. I'm sorry, wants, doesn't want to lose as much as they want to win. How do you, how can we rep that? How can we drill that? What kind of conversations can we have to get our kids to that point? Because I agree with you. I do think you can get players to that point. But what are some things coaches can do with their teams to get them to that point? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's special to find the ones that, yeah, they hate to lose more than they like to win. Uh, I think it's hard to find those people that already come with that mindset. But I, I have the old school mentality of, okay, you have the punishment phase. So if you have to start down, I mean, Coach Carlson, I love Coach Carlson because I remember her putting us down eight points every situation that we went live and it could be for five minutes or something shorter than that. And if you lost, you were going to run for it. Well, I think that makes you even more competitive because you know, there's a, pen, a punishment at the end. And then, I mean, it, that's how I always associated the other team then. So, so I, want to go I, I like, your... I like going uh, disadvantaged, stressful situations. That's kind of, yeah, those are my thoughts with it. So I want to go into your rebounding comments. We talked about Dennis Robin, and obviously he studied it. But what were some of the things that, you know, obviously there's a lot of effort involved in rebounding, uh, you know, as well. I just wanted to get in there and go. But what are some of the things you look for rebounding-wise? Um, you know, because – you know, a lot of times you're, you're out in the, on the front court and, and things like that. So, so how, how were you looking, were there certain spots you were looking to get rebounds at? Did you study that? You know, what was, what was the key for you? I think it got, it got, I mean, I think it naturally came because I had an older brother and we were used to being each other up and learning when you see the ball in the air where it's probably going to bounce. Uh, so a lot of it came from 21 playing one-on-one -on -one and then coming to NIU. Yeah. I just played enough with my teammates where I wanted the ball bad enough and I wanted to win bad enough that I would look at how the ball would come off. Or if that makes sense when they released it, where it would likely go. But I also had phenomenal teammates. I mean, no doubt they made my life way easier. I mean, right. we had post players that would always do the hard work, right? They would box out. No one ever boxed out point guard, and we just wanted to run. So it was a beautiful thing. I could go chase down the ball because I had trust that my post players didn't mind doing the dirty work. And then our two other guards always knew to just run, like just get it and go because we wanted to play up tempo. Uh, so, I mean, it was just wanting to – I think it's a want or a, a will. I think there is a lot of hustle behind it. You have to want the ball bad enough. You can't just wait for the ball to come to you. All right. So you, so you mentioned you're playing 21, playing pickup. Um, and I don't know if you agree with me, but I think kind of that's a lost art. It doesn't happen as much anymore. Like, you know, um, but what are some of the advantages of that? When, when you were, you were playing, when you were, you were playing against your brothers, you're playing whoever, um, you know, what do you, what do you think going to play different people, gives you, you know, gives you that advantage. 
yeah, I, I think it's awesome. I wish, I wish our team played some 21 or, uh, I mean, my brother and I, we had this game where you could hack each other. There were no fouls. And so I got used to trying to get in once I'd get the ball back or, I mean, I'm sure Coach Tandez would laugh at the fact that that's where my floater came from because I had to try and shoot over when I'm just, I was like five, six at the time. So trying to adjust that and get a rhythm. And then 21, you're really working your one-on-one skills because you're getting trapped. I mean, it's a free-for-all. But you, you really get good at making one-on-one moves and you build your attack mentality to hurry up and score because in a regular setting when it's five on five, it's not like you're going to have 10 seconds to just dribble the ball in a circle and wait for something to open for you. You know, you, you had, you had to build your attack mentality if you wanted to win. I think, I think that's a great point. I think that it is, it's kind of a lost art and that's where we all kind of developed those different things in those one-on-one situations at the park in the driveway um, and all those places. Um, for athletes that are now back at school, what take us through kind of the transition that you guys do at Northern Illinois from the transition for kind of from the summer, you know, maybe you're doing a little bit more working out on your own, obviously stuff that NIU is asking you to do probably, but now into the fall workouts, kind of take us through that transition for your athletes, maybe for you as an athlete, and then now for the athletes who coach. Yeah, so summer's kind of an interesting time, right? Because I fully believe that the summer should be the hardest thing you go through preseason. Also hard, like it should get easier as it goes on as from uh, finding kind of like your limit or what you think your wall is. So you want to break that in the summer and continue to find your next gear in the preseason and then season, I think it it shows. So in the summer, uh, we actually we actually run this thing. Coach Carlson gave me an opportunity to work on a boot camp program. And so it's all about teamwork, working your communication, and then putting yourself in a situation with your team where you have to figure out each other's strengths and weaknesses and know that you can push through because you can't quit during the workout. You can't walk during the workout because then you're letting your teammates down. Uh, so there's a lot of that. Uh, the summer is more of your instruction on what you can bring to your game, uh, finding new moves, and then you really just kind of hone in on it on preseason and sustain it during season then. But summer is kind of your time to experiment and really work on the one-on-one aspect. Uh, we would do, I think it was one practice, one practice all together. Everything else you have individual set up uh, twice a week. And then, yeah, we're actually in that situation right now. We're doing uh, two-hour practices and then, yeah, individuals throughout the week and your, your lift and regular conditioning. Uh, all right, so this is a two-part question. Obviously, you just transitioned to Adobo, um, but – you know, take us back to the life of a GA at NIU. Uh, I saw one of your tweets where you're riding along the cart, going to check classes and all that. And, you know, obviously, well, we'll give credit to your kids here on the podcast. I think it was 3.67 GPA as a team, I believe, something like that. Cool. Um, 
you know, um, so you were, I think you were saying you didn't have to worry about it a ton, but, um, you know, what was your life kind of like as a GA at NAU? And then now what are you kind of learning as a, as a Dobo that, you know, you're transitioning into? She should just take all the credit for the GPA. That was all her. It was because she checked. Yeah, it would. I mean, oh, yeah. Definitely well, there was, for academic excellence. There was an assistant coach with her. I, I think that, right? You guys were driving along. I saw the picture. <laughs> they were, you guys were having a fun time. Yeah, that, that's definitely her lane. Yeah, Coach, coach Lex is great on the academic side of things. She's probably the best person for that job. Um, yeah, luckily, we really don't have to worry about them academically. We have great student athletes. Uh, yeah, the life of a GA, it's honestly pretty great. I don't know why people complain about being a GA. Uh, you do a little janitorial work, but not so bad. You just got to touch sweaty jerseys every now and then or sweaty pennies. Uh, but it was awesome. Most of my day, I would say probably from at least 9 a.m. to about 2. Uh, it's all individuals, all individual workouts. So I got to watch Coach Jane, Coach Lex, Coach Tandez really develop develop all of our players and I gotta see them progressively get better I gotta jump in drills rebound all the above and just learn so much from them and then I get to watch coach Carlson how how she comes up with her plans uh, as far as developing our team developing our scheme and what she wants I mean as a player I didn't see all of that planning happening I mean, I knew my teammates were great and they were getting better, but I didn't really watch the progression like I got to as a GA. So that was awesome. And then, I mean, going upstairs, I would work on some homework, maybe a little lunch, and then work on recruiting stuff with uh, Coach Tandez when it comes to uh, kind of logging when open gyms were happening, uh, list of high schools, JUCOs, that kind of deal. And then that was Adobo. There's even more. <laughs> There's so much more that I didn't even realize. There are meetings twice a day about facilities, business operations. I don't even know. It, it just feels like there's always a meeting. So I get that aspect, uh, and then I get the weight, and then I get to figure out, okay, the traveling. I'm learning right now, actually, um, yeah, booking the hotels, booking the bus, figuring out flights, all the extra things that you really don't think about or that I didn't think about. But Coach, Coach Carlson has been extremely flexible with me, kind of showing me the ropes, going back and living her glory days at Lewis. Uh, she still has her rhythm down for sure. So let's let's go into real quick, just on the mental health side of um, obviously first for you as a veteran um, and then obviously from the player and the coach side, because uh, we, we've had some <clears throat> guests on talk about mental health. I myself uh, work at a school in, in a similar role. So um, kind of just take us through one, the importance of mental health for our veterans um, and then obviously the importance of mental health for the players on your team, the coaches on your team and, and yourself. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I take mental health a lot more serious than I used to. You know, when I initially went into the army, uh, it's something you don't do, especially a female in the infantry. You don't talk about feelings. You kind of lose your sense of emotion. You don't really know how to be sad or be happy anymore. You kind of have to relearn those, or that's what I'm working on now. Um, but I, I know a lot of people struggle because of where they came from and thinking that's frowned upon. Uh, a little bit more personal. Yeah, I, one of my soldiers, um, private first class day, extremely hardworking, you would think. Nothing was wrong with her. She didn't reach out to anyone. I mean, you wouldn't think anything was wrong. She was just a great soldier. She wanted to break barriers. She jumped into the infantry uh, because she knew she wanted to make a difference and show the guys, you know, that she could hang. Uh, and then she got out of the army, married, mother, uh, November, November 21st of last year. Uh, unfortunately, I had to witness her whole funeral. I mean, she had committed suicide from the battles that we all faced, but were too scared to bring up. And that is something that I think about almost every day. At one point when I'm on 88, almost every day on my way to work is how if I would have reached out and checked up on my soldier, my battle buddy, you know, what could have been different? And I think making it normal, making it known, make it normalizing that it's okay to go see a therapist. Like there's nothing wrong with having feelings. You need someone to talk to in a healthy way. And we all have issues. I mean, from a basketball standpoint, there's a lot of pressure, especially if, yeah, especially if you're the star player or whatever, there's a lot of pressure on you every night. You have to be able to outlet that. Or if there's trouble within the team, I mean, you have to feel comfortable with bringing someone in and being comfortable with being uncomfortable and having those difficult conversations. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really think it's gotten better in the last five years, but it can definitely improve still. Before we move on to the next segment, I just want to say to our listeners, everything coach just said there was phenomenally, phenomenally said, you know, please, if, if you need somebody to talk to, please reach out to somebody to talk to, take coach's advice. I coach, you said it very well. I, I just wanted to accent how well that, that you said that there. So thank you for your words on that. Yeah, I would, I would agree. That's, uh, to me, that's one of the most uh, important things we've had on our podcast, for sure, of, of one, looking out for people and checking in on them, and, and two, you never know what people are going through. Um, um, you know, we, we talk about a lot as, as a basketball player, but there's always other things going on. Uh, so, Coach, we want to transition. Uh, we have a segment called 30-Second Timeout. Um, so it's your forum. Talk about anything you want to talk about, um, a, a charity, a, a cause, wh whatever you want. All right. Well, I, honestly, it kind of ties in. Uh, there's a project, Kill Valhalla. So uh, when a soldier passes from suicide, uh, really giving, giving back to help it, help get resources uh, for those veterans. You know, I think when Memorial Day rolls around, the hardest thing 
the hard thing for me, honestly, I, I never got to deploy, uh, but I did lose two good friends in accidents. They had deployed, they had served, and I feel like especially around Memorial Day, we don't, we don't think about those people and the sacrifices they made. I mean, a lot of people don't realize in the military, you spend every week training. There's a lot of family hardships. There's a lot of divorce. There's a lot of suicide. So, I mean, even, even if people don't deploy, don't, don't count them out. Uh, please think about, you know, every, everyone that has served and the impact that they made because training is happening, accidents do happen, and those guys' lives, uh, they haven't been forgotten. Coach, what did, what did you say that was called, the, the, the organization? Uh, Till Valhalla. And then is there a place where our listeners can go to donate or contribute? Uh, I, I can send you a link if you want. Yes, please send us the if, link. If you just Google it, yeah. Please you just send Google us it. the link and we will definitely put that up on our, our Twitter. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, so thank you. you. Anytime. Um, so for our last segment, we're having a little fun now. Uh, we call it quick hitters. These are quick hitting questions. They, As we say to all of our uh, guests, they could be basketball related, but they don't have to. Um, this is just kind of where we like to have a little fun at the end of the episode with our guests. Um, so we will get going. Love it. Love it. Let's go. All right. So uh, big arrival for Army, Navy, Air Force. Might be controversial. Oh, but, uh, there oh, you go. Right. Uh, she was very we, confident we all, about hey, that. We always like... think that ship, all right? Uh, I like it. <laughs> oh, like boy. It. All right, here we go. Best, when you were at Northern, best dorm hall. Oh, new hall, hands down. Okay. Early riser, night owl. <laughs> Early riser, I'm not getting, I'm not staying up past 10. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither, coach. <laughs> well, we're getting old, Todd. That's a little Yeah, we're, we're getting old. She's, she's way younger than us, so she yeah. might have a chance. <laughs> All right, best food in the Army mess hall. Do I actually have to pick one? I mean, spaghetti spaghetti's hard to mess up. It's tomatoes and noodles, so none of them are appealing. I'll I was just going to say, that doesn't sound like there's a good answer there. Right, right. All right, so <laughs> yeah. basic yeah. training. What was the hardest part of basic training? Staying cold forever when you're waking up in the winter and you can't keep yourself warm. The worst feeling in the world. Would not recommend right. to a friend. All right, then we're gonna go to your, in college, your go-to move or play. Like what was your go-to move? Like cross somebody over or a, a play that you could call over and be like, hey, let's run this. Oh, uh, well, I would do a Rondo spin in the paint. And then Ooh. every Ooh. time, I mean, coach always, Coach always laughed. I'd stick up my hand, do the wedge. That meant we're going dribble drive, and it's going to be about 10 seconds till we score. <laughs> oh, I like it. <laughs> All right. So we got your – and I'll even open it to your undergrad. You can pick your undergrad or your grad programs, hardest class you've ever taken. I'm going to say facilities management right now. 
because it's a Monday night course from 6.30 to 9.10, and I got to commute home, so. Oh, yeah, that's not fun. That's the tough part, staying awake for me. <laughs> I get it. I'm in right, the right now, too. I get it. This is the most important question. <laughs> You're going to jump into a scrimmage, all right? How many points you drop in, or, or, or are you being nice and going rebound and assists? I don't think I got. I don't think I could score like that anymore. I'm. I'm probably going for the rebounds and assists. Come on, coach. You can still score. You know you can still score. Come on now. You know I. I think it's easier to fight for a rebound than try and shoot a three right now. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I think you're under. I think you're underselling yourself, but. Uh, well. Uh, Coach, I, I was never I was never really a points person, so that's hard. We uh we appreciate you being on. We had a lot of fun. This was a really fun episode. Uh, the content you gave us from the stuff about being in the army to mental health to being a leader to to balance um, was all phenomenal stuff. So thank you again for joining us. Hey, yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. <laughs>